Welcome. It is a, a special edition. It's another hitting the fantasy football high notes of uh, the uh, podcast here. This is usually hitting the high notes. Uh, we're probably not going to be talking a lot of jazz today. I got a dynasty fantasy football guru on the podcast today, and we're going to get into that and talk some dynasty fantasy football. It is I, Hootran. You can find me on the socials at Hootran, H-U-U-T-R-A-N, Superman, as Hootran Superman on Twitter and IG, and um, I'm very excited. Um, uh, I, I love fantasy football. I've been playing it for, oh God, maybe the, uh, 20 plus years now. Or about twenty years now, maybe about twenty plus, but twenty years now, uh, I just started getting into dynasty fantasy football. I'm not very good at it, so I had to invite from Twitter. Um, I, I know him as Dynasty Kyle. Uh, he writes for the Dynasty Nerds. Um, it is uh, Kyle? Kyle, what's up, man? Yeah, how's it going, man? Thank you so much for for having me on. I'm excited to you know talk some talk some dynasty fantasy football. Great, great. Yeah, I mean. So, like, when I say fantasy football, when I tell people I play fantasy football, and most people who play, I assume they just kind of, they, they play in, like, standard leagues. You know, one QB, you know, just a couple receivers, a couple running backs, um, uh, probably with, like, a work league or friends league, maybe even a home league with, like, family and stuff. Um, and that's great, and I think it's awesome, but uh, fantasy football is just it's one of those great games that, like, there are just so many different ways to play it now. There's IDP. Um, for a long time, I was doing super flex auction leagues. Uh, we, we switched over from um, uh, a waiver system to fab uh, a few years ago. And like I said, a couple years ago, I randomly joined on Twitter, just a bunch of guys that, you know, someone put out on Twitter and we got retweeted said, Hey, starting up a 16 man dynasty league. And I jumped in that and I really liked it. And I did that one, that one year and jumping into a 16 man league is, is pretty hard to sell into a 16 man dynasty league is a whole different beast. Um, needless to say, that team is uh, in year three and not doing very well. I, I'm I'm in rebuilding mode for the next three years, I think. Um, but I want to bring you on here, Kyle, because I'm. Uh, I think a lot of people like me haven't had not tried Dynasty yet, and uh, a lot of people are trying to find new ways to play fantasy football. And Dynasty is one of those ways that is ca- kind of catching on. Is that, is that your experience? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's you know over the past few years, even the past couple decades, it's been redraft, redraft, redraft. You know that's if you play fantasy football, you you play redraft. But but as of late, over the past few years, I think Dynasty is coming close to taking over as the main type, the main format of fantasy football. Just because fantasy football players are looking for that experience that puts you in a GM seat. Like fantasy football owners want to feel like an NFL an NFL GM, and Dynasty is the way. Dynasty is the way to do that if that's what you're looking for. Wow, uh, that's interesting that you th- that you say that Dynasty is like overtaking because like uh, for the longest time, um, yeah, I would listen to fantasy football football podcasts and um, a lot of the like the mainstream like the ESPN, CBS, all those podcasts are focused mainly on the standard one QB league type stuff. And um, I, I know a lot of leagues I play in are like two QBs, and I even have an IDP league. And um, and I know that I'm uh, a lot of like people who get into those formats. When you get to a different format, you like really like it because it's it's just different, you know, it's something something completely different than what everybody else is doing, and it's really fun and it it challenges the way you think. Like, okay, cool, now I need to move these guys up because they're like it's, it's like PPR for the longest time. PPR was like, oh no, we don't want to do that, and it feels like PPR now is the standard way of playing. Like it's weird to say standard scoring when PPR seems to be the more prevalent way of playing fantasy football. Um, but so in your experience, some uh, uh, well, well, let's say like let's, let's say, how did you get started uh, playing fantasy football? I should say. Well, it, it all started off. I just loved watching football, and it was that sort of combined with you know I love math, I love numbers, and those two kind of met, and I was pretty young, and I learned about fantasy football. I'm like, okay, you're telling me I can watch football, which I love doing. And there are, you know, analytics involved, numbers involved, scores involved. Like you're telling me I can, you know, mesh football with this, these numbers that I love so much. And it, it, it was an easy connection for me. I f- fell in love right away. And um, since then, it's pretty much progressed from your typical family redraft league, you know, brothers, sisters, cousins, all that stuff to, you know, these dynasty, Devi. Like it, just the way it progresses has been really interesting to see 
And, so, and then you got into like you're so obviously you're writing and you're helping people with their dynasty questions. I I, I know if I for one uh, am uh, a part of um, uh, Kyle's Patreon here because I like to I I have so many questions about dynasty. Almost every move I make in dynasty, I'm like I have no idea if I'm getting the right value for this. So this this podcast here is partly going to be for beginners, people who want to get into dynasty, how to do that, and how to change their way of thinking from a regular. You know how they play fantasy football now into a dynasty mode. Um, also, to help me to make sure I don't make any mistakes in my current dynasty leagues, Kyle. So thank you. Um, so I'm a. For first of all, dynasty is probably not for everybody, though, right? Like I'm a. Uh, it, it does take someone like you have to get a league with people that you know are going to be in it for the long haul because the the beast of dynasty is that you're going to have the haves and the have-nots. Like you have to have. Uh, you know, three or four teams who are just really bad uh, because like those teams are the ones that are going to try to build through the draft and stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah, dynasty is if if you're if you love fantasy football, but it's something that you enjoy playing during the fantasy season and you enjoy taking a break in the off season, then that's fine. Maybe dynasty is just not for you. But if you are a redraft player and you say, "Oh man, I." Now that the season's over, I have to wait another, you know, seven or eight months for the redraft fantasy football season to start up again. These are the kind of people that need to take a step into Dynasty because there's there's no days off in Dynasty. It's 24-7, 365. So that's that's definitely my biggest tip for someone looking to go from redraft to Dynasty. It's not for everyone, but if you find yourself feeling that way, it's definitely time to try Dynasty. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, so I have a long time league with the same players, but I just, I, I kind of have the feeling like even I, like I get burnt out or fantasy football, just like in the middle of the season, I'm like, Oh, okay. I have 10 leagues. I'm getting kind of tired of it. Like what leagues do I really want to focus on at that point? Um, and I, I know a couple people that I'm like, yeah, like they, they play for fun, but they're not really the, we want to talk about fantasy football year in year out. So I have not moved out to a dynasty format yet. Uh, but I do have a couple of um, uh, people in that where we do have dynasty leagues. And yeah, it's just one of the, what, what tips do you have for people who are um, thinking about going into dynasty? I would say if you're, if you're thinking about making the switch from redraft to dynasty and first off, if you're joining a dynasty league for the first time, you want to try to find a league with like-minded people that have also never tried dynasty. It's fun because everyone gets to experience that, you know, change in mindset from redraft to dynasty. It's nice when everyone's able to do that at once, because if you're a first timer, you're obviously going to find yourself at a huge disadvantage if you've never played dynasty before and you're joining a league with 11 other sharks that have played dynasty for 10 years. And one more thing is that if you're if you're not really sure how like if you're making the switch from redraft to dynasty and you're just not sure what to do how to draft reach out to to people that you trust whether it be me whether it be some of the other guys over at dynasty nerds at dynasty league football it doesn't matter just the dynasty community or the fantasy football community in general on twitter just wants to be inclusive and like they just want people to enjoy fantasy football the way that they enjoy it so reach out to those people, get some advice, get some tips, whether if you're on the fence about Dynasty and you need some questions answered, reach out to these people, ask these questions, and I guarantee you'll get responses from everyone you reach out to. Right, right. So um, uh, one great thing that um, uh, you do, Kyle, is that you put um, players in tiers, right? Um, and this is how I draft. And so um, I'm going to go back to my 16-team league. When I first drafted that team, um, I, I, I draft in tiers. Like, okay, I feel, and I, I don't usually do snake drafts. I'm, I'm more of an auction guy myself. But um, uh, in Dynasty, I mean, I, I've never done a Dynasty auction draft, but uh, I, th- I think a lot of people do Dynasty snake drafts because, number one, there's draft pick trading, and it's kind of what everybody's used to. Um, so one of the things I did my first year was I kept trading down. I was trading down a lot because um, I, I, I would see five guys that I liked at that pick, and I go, you know what? I wonder if I can get some extra pieces and grab the bottom guy of my tier list and still be happy with that pick. Um, it didn't work out well for me. Uh, maybe my tier list was messed up, but um, do you recommend um, – uh, how do you recommend people draft, um, redraft Dynasty with tiers? Well, yeah, I mean I couldn't have put it better myself. Whether you're drafting a redraft team, a Dynasty team, a rookie squad, it, it, it doesn't matter. You want to put these players into tiers. It doesn't even necessarily matter – 
if you rank them. Tiers are significantly more important than rankings because, like you said, you want the option to be able to trade down to the bottom of tiers. That's what I'm targeting every single time, the bottom of tiers. Let's say I'm on the clock right now and I really want a wide receiver. And there are 12 wide receivers that really stand out to me on the board, but I have all of them in the same exact tier. So what do I gain by drafting my favorite receiver out of this group when I could trade down 12 to 15 picks, guarantee the fact that I'm still able to land one of the receivers in that tier, and you're going to be able to pick up some solid equity, some solid draft capital by moving down that far. And, you know, it's tough because not everyone's tiers are going to be accurate, but it's all about how you feel about these players. Like, for example, I may value, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, we'll say Juju Smith-Schuster and Calvin Ridley. Both of these guys are pretty far apart in value, but personally, I have them in the same tier. So let's say I'm on the clock, Juju's the best player available, but I can trade down 10 picks and I think I can get Calvin Ridley. That's a move I'm making all day long. That's why I think tiers are so important compared to just strictly rankings. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I think, I mean, obviously it didn't work out for me. Um, it, it is also hard because like, if, if you're playing with people who value things, so dynasty values is the one thing that I'm having a hard time um a hard time I'm uh, adjusting to because I'm like, all right, I, I know player values, but like when you add in future picks, it does skew things a little bit because I'm like, oh, I don't know if this future pick. So I, I in one of my other drafts, somebody was selling their third round pick. And I'm, uh, basically it would cost a 2021 first and a uh, the current year sixth round pick. And I was like, you know what? That's not uh, to move up three rounds uh, to give up a, a commodity next year, which you have no, I mean, it could be the last pick in the first round if, if, if your, if your team's good enough. Um, and the value at the, you know, but uh, I asked him, so you have a discord. I asked there. And so you gave me an answer saying, yeah, all day trade that first round pick. But people were like, oh no, don't give it that first round pick. But I was like the, the value at the third round was like Aaron Jones, um, uh, um, Odell Beckham. Um, who else was there? Julio. Uh, I thought, oh god, the talent there was really good. And I think giving up a first round pick. So how do you how did you um uh, juggle um uh, first round picks in 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 the next year's draft or the years after uh, with current players and stuff? See, this one's tough because you always have to consider the fact that the it, it may seem like a simple concept, but the difference between a twenty twenty one first and a twenty twenty two first is that you're sacrificing a year of production. And that, that may seem like common sense, but a lot of people don't think of it that way. Like when a lot of people think, okay, so for example, a lot of a year ago, a lot of people thought that the 2020 class was significantly better than the 2019 class. So people would trade, you know, random 2019 firsts plus something for a 2020 first. And that's just not good process because you are giving up extra capital to move that pick back a year. That's just something to keep in mind. But when I'm strictly valuing picks compared to current NFL players, I think the easiest way to do it is just to go back to, to past drafts, whether it be you know 2019, 2018, 2017, and just look at the average player that goes in the first round. And that really helps you value the first round pick, I think, because a lot of people see these rookie picks and they think, oh, wow, I'm going to get a stud young player. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get a C.D. Lamb. I'm going to get a Josh Jacobs with this first round pick. But if you look back at the hit rates of first round rookie picks, it's not good. Like, it, it is it is not good. It's below 50 percent, especially for wide receivers. There's, it's just not a great hit rate. So it's definitely important to look at previous drafts to sort of ground yourself. Because if you're moving from the sixth or seventh round in a startup to the third round of a startup, you're going from like a, um, let's see, it, it could be a, from James Conner to like a DJ Moore. Yeah, like, I mean, like uh, it's, it's, a, it's a massive jump. Yeah, this was a super flex league. So like, yeah, at 6-4 was Brandon Cooks. At 3-9 was Leonard Fournette in the same round, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and that, that's, that's a pretty big difference. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I'm um, a uh, super flex kind of throw things off too, because, uh, my brother thinks that, um, uh, he, he, he argues that grabbing quarterbacks super early in a super flex is not beneficial. And on one hand, I, I, I do see the point because I mean, there's a lot of great talent out there and, 
um, we'll talk about my team and how I, I, I did it here in a little bit. Uh, but how do you feel about like guys like Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott going in the first round of, of Superflex Dynasty? See, personally, I'm on board with it. I love the idea of going quarterback and running back early in Superflex drafts. And my thought process is you could either grab an elite young quarterback, an absolute stud, your Deshaun Watsons, your Dak Prescotts, your Kyler Murrays, in the late first round, early second round of Superflex drafts. Or you could draft a guy like Sam Darnold, who, you know, I'm a Jets fan. I love Sam Darnold, but he is not in the same stratosphere as the previous guys that I just mentioned. He's a okay QB2, you know, solid QB2, maybe for 2020 and beyond, but I don't feel great about plugging him into my lineup any given week. But he's a guy whose ADP is in the fifth round. So if I'm snagging a guy, an absolute stud in the early second round like Deshaun Watson, would I rather make a move like that? Or would I rather grab Sam Darnold in the fifth and pass up on guys like Leonard Fournette? Because that's where his current ADP is. I understand that people might not want to draft quarterbacks early. But no matter what, you're going to draft quarterbacks early. Sam Darnold in the fifth is early. You have to draft Matt Ryan in the sixth over guys like Debo Samuel. That's early. It's just either do you want to sacrifice a little bit, take a quarterback early, and be able to load up on those guys like you know, Debo Samuel, Leonard Fournette in the fifth or sixth round, or would you rather load up on studs early and then have to pass up on these RB1s, you know, the Leonard Fournettes, for guys like Sam Darnold, who is young but not extremely productive, or a guy like Matt Ryan, who probably doesn't have many years left. I'd rather just bite the bullet, snag the quarterback early, and pick up that value in the fifth or sixth round as opposed to taking quarterbacks that I don't feel great about moving forward. So my um uh, my and also I I don't know if this is great advice um but I do tell people in snake drafts when they ask me I said you know what I wait for the runs you know I I hate being the guy to get the first quarterback off the board but if I can be the guy that takes the third quarterback off the board okay great like if I know that maybe even the fifth like if two or three quarterbacks go in front of me I'm okay, okay great this is where the quarterbacks go because it it happens in every draft like you see like a run of running backs go a run of receivers go like I want to be in the middle of those runs. Um, I also built my team a little bit different, uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Hitting the High Notes is an Unwrapped Sports Partner podcast. Check out the new live streaming show, Unwrapped This, on Twitter, and follow Unwrapped Sports at Unwrapped Sports on Twitter and IG. But um, I want to talk about something that you put on Twitter um, about a very so you you, you tweet about a, the misconception the misconception among dynasty players about the two to three year window and I was kind of hoping you could expand on that on here on the pod. Yeah, for sure. Well, when people think about the two to three year window in dynasty, well, what is in, that? Okay, so that's that's pretty much saying that the only thing I care about is the next two to three years, because after that, it's completely unpredictable. So it's pretty much saying, let's see, the easiest way to explain this, I would say that like years four and on, like let's say a wide receiver is 23 years old. I only care about them for the next two to three years, because when it's year four and on, they could be out of the league for all I know. Maybe this current dynasty league doesn't exist anymore. So People will play only accounting for the next two to three years. That's that's sort of the thought process behind that. And then the way people misconstrue this is they say, okay, if I'm only building this roster, this dynasty roster, with the next two to three years in mind, I'm going to value a guy like Julio Jones over or close to a guy like DJ Moore, even though DJ Moore is close to a decade younger than Julio Jones. I think Julio Jones is going to outproduce DJ Moore over the next two to three years, so I'm going to value Julio higher. And the reason that I thought that this idea was misconstrued is because they're not accounting for the fact that, uh, what if Julio Jones gets hurt during this two to three year window? Because he's a 31-year-old player, soon to be 32. If he goes down with an injury, his value is going to bottom out. 
But if DJ Moore goes down with an injury and you invest in him within this two to three year window, he has a a year long injury. It's not a big deal because he comes back. He'll be 24 years old and he'll still have five plus years of his prime. So my main point was if a dynasty player is playing in a two to three year window, don't just focus on older players that will help you win within the next two to three years. Because, yeah, it may be cheaper for you to invest in these older players. But if these older players just so happen to not perform well within this two to three year window or they happen to get hurt within this two to three year window, the value on your roster is absolutely going to bottom out because there's no value insulation because no one wants to buy an underperforming or injured veteran player. Right. And so I kind of wish I had um, a red retreat before I drafted my uh, team here, which we'll talk about here a little bit, because uh, I think I, I look over it and I like it, but I also think, oh, I made, made some mistakes here. Um, so in this league, um, uh, they decided to do the veteran draft uh, separated from the rookie draft. It's a first-year startup, but they're going to do two drafts, a veteran draft, 1 through 12, and then um, uh, a rookie draft. Whoever had the 12th pick gets the first pick in the rookie draft. Is that common, or is that uh, something you see a lot? Um, see, I prefer to go a different route. I think that you are giving too much of an advantage to the person picking you know, 12th, 11th, 12th. 10th. Because the point of a snake draft is to even it out for everyone, to make it as even as possible. So if you're rewarding those early round rookie picks to the people picking late in the startup, I think you're giving them a somewhat unfair advantage. And the way I feel that that is that can be fixed is if rookie drafts are if rookie picks are are draftable assets in the startup, if that makes any sense. Right, so all together is what you're saying. Yes. Just about throw, like have one big draft, um, uh, rookies and vets on this. Yeah, and that's how I had usually done it. I had asked my league why they had done it this way to begin with, um, and they said they wanted to give guys a chance to see what the rookie draft's like, I guess, and, and a couple other things, which I was like, you know, it's not my league. I'm just here. So I said, cool, above my pay grade, you know. Um, so I thought it was interesting, but I did see some, there, it's, it's not, I mean, I think it's a little uncommon, but I think some people do do it that way. Um, is there is there a different way besides throwing them all together, or is that are those the only two ways, a rookie draft, a vet draft, and then all together? Yeah, well, what, what I was what I was mentioning, and I know I know it's difficult to really explain and also to, to understand, but what I was saying is in the startup draft, to not include veterans and rookies, oh. but to include veterans and rookie picks. So you're still having the rookie draft at a later time. Oh. In the startup draft, you're not drafting you know, Jonathan Taylor. You're drafting the rookie 101. Gotcha. And then someone could draft the – so you could have the 101 pick in round four, say, but then exactly. you have the round two – uh, picked 10. That's that's actually really interesting. That's actually, all right, cool. So maybe if I do another snake startup draft, that's a way to go there. Because, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that is interesting. So what do you what, what do you um, uh, see people do uh, with those picks then? Like, I mean, the rookie drafts, uh, when, is, when it's like that, what, what is it? Um, uh, like, do, do people tend to draft those guys early or do they wait? The picks, I mean, sorry. Yeah, the, the way it usually goes is, and it's funny how it works. It's, it's, it's just funny how it all plays out. But if you if you have a startup with veterans and rookie picks, and then you have a separate, a different league has a startup with veterans and the actual rookies, you'll find that the rookie picks go sooner. And it's it's funny how it works because you know if a league values Jonathan Taylor at the 101, it doesn't matter if you draft the 101 or Jonathan Taylor, you're still getting Jonathan Taylor. But dynasty players value picks higher because a they enjoy going into a rookie draft and pressing draft player because you know it's a thrill and b they feel that the pick gives them more flexibility so there isn't a heck of a lot of difference but you'll find in startups that include rookie picks that the picks tend to go earlier than they probably should and that's just something to keep in mind just just a small bit of strategy to keep in mind if you're ever taking place in a startup of that sort yeah, so um, uh, yeah, we're gonna visit that here in a minute about um, uh, uh, rookies and their values, and even rookies this year in the pandemic. Uh, so we'll we'll hit that here in a little bit. But so here's the mistake I made. So um, uh, I and I went to, into this um, uh, startup um, uh, draft, and we got to choose our positions. Um, I guess I, I I chose pick eight because I thought maybe I I need to get these certain guys at pick eight, but it ended up that I probably could have picked been um pick 10 which would have been more helpful to me but you know say la vie uh 
so what happened was um uh, yeah uh, the first three guys picked picked one two and three the next two guys picked picked twelve and eleven and so yeah you know it is it is what it is you know um if that makes any sense uh so I started out with Dalvin Cook and came around to me and Russell Wilson went right before me in round two so it made my job pretty easy I was like you know I'm gonna take Nick Chubb I went running back running back uh in round three. I went with. Uh, I tried to trade up, like I said, couldn't get the uh, deal done because he just didn't see the DM. So I went Juju, uh, Juju there because I was like, you know, I like Juju's um, uh, prospects. Um, he was uh, probably near the bottom of my tier list at that point. So in rounds four or five, I went running back, running back because at this point, only like the quarterbacks that had gone were the, you know the top five, like we talked about: Deshaun, Russell Wilson, uh, Allen, Wentz. And Stafford in round four was no no quarterbacks had gone, so I was like, all right, cool. The quarterback run is stopped. We're probably going to be a minute before some more quarterbacks go. So instead of taking a quarterback in four, I took Todd Gurley, and in round five I took Mark Ingram because I'm uh, only a couple more quarterbacks had gone. The mistake I probably made was probably not taking James Conner and David Montgomery in those rounds instead. Um, uh, is, is that the two three, two to three year window you were talking about thing? Yeah, definitely. But a lot of it also comes down to wide receivers tend to have much better value insulation than running backs. So in order to really insulate your squad with value, I guess, I probably would have said wide receiver there would have given you the most value. And it's also tough because Mark Ingram is a great two to three or even one to two year window guy. But if he goes down with injury, his value is going to bottom out because he's an old running back. J.K. Dobbins will come in, step in and probably take over the starting job. So I don't hate it because Ingram has solid RB2 potential this season, but it's tough because he doesn't have much value insulation due to his age and his position. All right. So in, so in those positions, if you had Todd Gurley versus Dave Montgomery, and so I already had two running backs, right? So I, but I, I wanted to load up on running backs because for me, I was able to, I think I found good value at wide receiver later, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But say that um, uh, Todd Gurley or Mark Ingram were going to be your two and your flex. Would you rather have David uh, uh, Devin Singletary or uh, David Montgomery or James Conner instead of those guys for the installation you talked about? Um, okay, so I would take Todd Gurley over all the guys you mentioned. Okay. But I would... I'm not huge on James Conner either, but I would have taken either Montgomery or Singletary over Mark Ingram, just because I think Mark Ingram's production will be better in 2020. But in 2021, I think Montgomery and Singletary will will top him moving forward. Oh. And I guess I'm, look, I'm looking at it, and that is the way it fell out. I guess uh, Todd Gurley went first, then Montgomery, then Singletary, then Connor, then Ingram. And the, I guess the reason I went Ingram is because, so with the way we did it, with me having the eighth pick, I have the fifth pick in the rookie draft. And I figured, okay, either one of CEH, or C H E um uh, uh, uh C H E um uh Jonathan Taylor and uh J K Dobbins was going to be there so I felt pretty good I, I assumed that Burrow and Tua are going to go one two in the in the but maybe not maybe Tua drops five who knows I've seen weirder things happen yeah. all right so uh this is where it gets kind of weird because so my receivers I picked up after that were Christian Kirk Anthony Miller Preston Williams J J uh. Uh, JJAW and Jalen Hurd in rounds eight through fifteen. Um, any chances those guys hit, or what do you think about the value about r- wide receivers in the middle of the draft, like from uh, from uh, rounds eight to fifteen? Yeah, I definitely think that's solid. I think that it's smart to wait on wide receiver in startups, just because, as you can see, there's so much value in the later rounds. Um, so just to go down the list a little bit, I like Christian Kirk a lot. I think that. He fits much better as an NFL wide receiver two as opposed to a wide receiver one. So I think he's in for a solid year. I really like the Bears offense this year. I I don't really know why, but I seem to be high on everyone in that offense. I really like Anthony Miller for a potential year three breakout. I know he's a bit of an older prospect, had some injury issues, but I really like Anthony Miller. Um, Preston Williams with Tua, I think that could be huge because Preston Williams performed pretty much as the wide receiver one in that offense before he went down with injury and Devontae Parker totally took over. And I don't remember the rest of the guys. I remember J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I like him as a stash just because the Eagles offense is my favorite offense this year to be the, you know, quote-unquote breakout offense of 2020. I think he has the draft capital. He has the profile. I really like Carson Wentz. So I think he has some great stash potential. 
And I think you said Jalen Hurd. Yeah, I, that- I, went with, I went with Jalen Hurd and JJ because of your, uh, like, you had that whole second year breakout uh, receiver um, thing, I guess. <laughs> for, for sure, no. And I really like the Jalen Hurd pick because not only does he have the draft capital, the profile, Debo. Debo went down with injury, injured his foot, is going to be out probably the first few weeks of the season. And Jalen Hurd is going to have an opportunity to possibly be the wide receiver two, maybe three in that offense. But either way, that's a pretty valuable role in a Kyle Shanahan offense. So I, I, I like that pick a lot, especially with the Debo injury. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can see my receivers are very high upside, low ceiling guys. Like I'm a, this is a, a low floor guy, excuse me, because a lot of these guys could not pan out again. And I might be struggling in a happy PR league. But again, we, we, we're looking for value installation and, uh, some younger guys that could, I mean, if they hit, you know, these guys are on your team for the next four or five years, uh, really. Um, so we're talking about Superflex, right? So the QBs, um, yeah, I see this in a lot of Superflexes that um, uh, QBs kind of go early, then there's a small break, and then they kind of go in those middle rounds. So from, so in 6 and 7, I took uh, Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones, and in 10 and 11, I took Dwayne Haskins and Derek Carr. I'm one of the few, I think I'm the only team that has four starting QBs uh, on my roster. Um I kind of wish I didn't take Baker in round six because I, th- I thought the run. So this is what happens. I thought the run was going to happen, um, and so I decided to start the run, um, and it didn't happen. I probably could have g- came away with like Drew Locke or Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold as one of my first, you know, one, two of those guys as my first four, and came away with Terry McLaurin. But again, say la vie. Um, how do you feel about? Um, uh, so are those are those kind of quarterbacks that you want in the superflex uh, dynasty league? Young guys. Um, or do you see um, a potential, like this is going to really backfire on me? Oh no, that's, I think you did fantastic. I think this is not the most talented position on your team because you obviously loaded up on running backs, but I think this is the best handled situation, best handled position on your team just due to value. So Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones should not go in the sixth or seventh round. That just shouldn't happen they should go in the fourth and fifth round that's where their adp is i've seen baker go in the third i've seen daniel jones go in the fourth that's the range where they should go so the fact that you got them in the sixth seventh makes me feel a lot better about the squad because when i'm targeting quarterbacks in super flex dynasty leagues i want productive young quarterbacks with job security that if if you can get that then you have yourself a franchise quarterback and you have two of those, both Daniel Jones and Baker. Productive, young, have job security. Boom, check it off the list. And then we move down a little bit. Dwayne Haskins, Derek Carr. Both are the written-in-stone starters for their teams in 2020. I don't know what's going to be the case in 2021 and beyond, but if both these guys have good seasons in 2020, and they're set up to because they've both been given weapons this offseason. Dwayne Haskins with... Antonio Gibson, a healthy Darius Geis, and year two Terry McLaurin. And then don't even get me started on Derek Carr, who now has Lynn Bowden, Henry Ruggs, and Brian Edwards. These guys have potential to have big 2020 seasons and then earn themselves a starting job in 2021 and beyond. So I think you did really well at quarterback here. And so this is, uh, so we're using sleeper to draft here. And so this is why I tell people you got to wait for runs because um, we're using sleepers um, uh, algorithm, which doesn't account for superflex really. So it doesn't move guys up. And so maybe people were using different sites, but uh, for the most part, whatever like platform you're on, ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, you're using whatever their list is, right? And so it was one of those like just wait, you know, like I, I could have taken um, uh, Baker in the fourth, but I felt okay, you know, we haven't seen quarterbacks go yet, so you wait for quarterbacks to go. You wait, like yeah, you might miss out on Baker Mayfield. Um, if he's the top of your tier list, but I, I put Baker and Daniel on the same tier list, right? So this is what we, it's important about like, if you miss on Baker, could you be happy with Jared Goff, uh, Daniel Jones? Um, could you be happy with the guys that are going to be drafted after him? And to me, I was, I was like, you know what? I could probably wait and get these guys instead. And that's sort of where I went with that. So um, it is important to like, wait, not wait, but um, uh, look and try to find where the runs are because I'm uh, you don't want to draft him too early. Cause if, if I drafted him in the fourth round, I miss out on a, a really valuable skill position when I could have got him obviously in the sixth round. Right. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it. You have to wait for the value to fall to you, but you also don't want to wait too long because you'll miss out on the players. So yeah. no, I think you handled that really well. Yeah. So so every league is different. Everybody should kind of like just um uh, you know. We'll tell you what to do here. We'll give you rankings. We'll, we'll let you, you know, direct you to where, like, these are positional rankings. These are the top 200 in Dynasty. But if you're, like, again, if you're doing, doing a brand new startup league and not everybody's looking at the same list, you kind of have to readjust your thinking in the middle of the draft. So. Thanks for listening to this episode. Also, thanks to our Utah sponsors, the Off-Broadway Theater in downtown Salt Lake and the Great Room Escape in Layton, Utah. If you have a second, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. It helps us podcast out, and we will enter all written five-star reviews into a drawing for free tickets to either the Off-Broadway Theater or the Great Room Escape. Just write a five-star review, and you'll be entered to win. One thing I want to talk about um, with uh, starting up a dynasty draft is the long draft, something that um, most people aren't used to. And uh, in a dynasty draft, uh, it happens every year. Everybody says, okay, we're doing a long draft. It's eight hours per pick. Um, and I, I think the long draft is very helpful for pick trading, number one, and just kind of like doing some research and like finding values for your pick. Um, are, are those the only drafts that you do, long drafts for dynasty? Oh yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm doing a dynasty a dynasty draft, I I just wouldn't do it if the timer were less than four hours, which may sound excessive, but you want to give yourself plenty of time to make trades because that's why we all play dynasty because we love trading. In my opinion, I think the way to go about it is, and again, keep in mind that it's important to have good active owners because that's what helps the draft going. But I prefer no timer, not even an eight hour timer. I just prefer that there be no timer because if you have 12, 14, however many dynasty owners that are active, great owners, then this, this draft is going to go by relatively quickly and every second of it is going to be a ton of fun. Right. And then it happens every year where people are like, they agree to the long draft. And then when people take the whole timer to do what they need to do, people get very antsy. And it's, it's that whole, like, they want to make that, they want to hit that draft button. Like you said, they, 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 they have guys in mind and they, they want to hit the end. It's hard because they're like, oh, make your, your trades before your pick comes up. But in, in a dynasty draft, you really can't do that. Like, you have to know what's available. And then people are like, "Oh, my guy's still there. My guy's still there at number six. I want to. Try, I need to go get him. I need to go trade up to get him." You know, um, and so um, uh, yeah. So what, what kind of advice do you have for people who get antsy uh, about the uh, long drafts? If you get antsy with a long draft, the the best advice I can give is just not to join a long draft. Maybe, <laughs> maybe one maybe one thing I would suggest is if you really just can't wait you know, more than an hour for a pick, then I would join a dynasty draft where it's a one hour time limit because you want to give yourself enough time to make trades. And it's hard because in one hour, like it, it, that, that's, that's just a tough time frame to operate within because uh, I mean, people have lives outside of, outside of dynasty fantasy football. So you could easily be doing something that's taking longer than an hour and you're not going to be able to make your pick. So that's why I prefer the no timer but if you can get together 12 owners that really just don't want to wait longer than an hour, then give it a one-hour timer for each pick and then maybe turn off the timer once it hits 10 p.m. and turn it back on once it hits 9 a.m. So, so, something along those lines. Yeah, and uh, the ones I've been in, we, we've sort of had that. I mean, it is harder when you have people who are overseas. Uh, we have technology, which is great. You know, Technology really helps dynasty fantasy football because yeah like we have it all right there you know we have apps for it now um so i want to give people um a chance here so uh like um this is mostly for beginners but uh i want i want to pick your brain for some some secrets there do you have any guys that you're buying or selling uh this year in dynasty because i'm um, uh, if you're going to start a dynasty draft like july is probably the, like august is going to cut it close you probably want to start you know mid mid to late july or if you're going to start mid to late july is is going to be good because you'll give yourself enough time to get all that stuff done before the, the season presumably starts so do you have any buy and sells for people who are uh, getting into dynasty 
for sure. Well, I would say my biggest buys are productive wide receivers that are viewed as not boring, but just not flashy guys. And the guys that come to mind for me are Kenny Galladay and Allen Robinson, especially, and also Cortland Sutton. I'll toss him into that category. Um, the reason I say Galladay and Robinson is because they're viewed as, you know, quote unquote, older assets. They're like 26 and 27. So they still have three plus years of prime left. And I was asked recently on a different podcast if I could predict a dark horse candidate to finish as the wide receiver one overall in 2020, who would I pick? And I said Galladay and Robinson because I couldn't choose one. I love both of them in 2020 just because they're going to be absolutely peppered with targets. I really like both these offenses in 2020, and they're both relatively young. So, boom, those are my, my two biggest buys right now. I also really like Sutton because I think he's being discounted too much after the Broncos drafted Jerry Judy. I'm very confident Sutton is still the wide receiver one in Denver, so that's why he's a buy for me. And I'm going to go more strategy-based with my cells. I'm not going to give you really any particular player but I'm going to give you a category of player. I'm selling players that are entering a con running backs that are entering a contract year after this season. Those are my sales, but I'm not selling them now. Like the Leonard Fournette's of the world, the Todd Gurley's, the Aaron Joneses, the Kenyon Drake's that category, those running backs, they're sales for me because I don't think they're long-term assets. However, I'm not selling them right now. I'm selling those guys in week six or seven when they're all top 10 running backs because that's when their value is the highest. And that's why I wouldn't I'm not going to say just because these guys are sells for me doesn't mean you shouldn't draft them now because these guys, their value is pretty low right now because in the offseason, dynasty owners hate buying, you know, quote unquote, old veterans. So if you invest in those guys now, and you're, let's say you have Aaron Jones and Todd Gurley on your dynasty roster, no one's going to be trading for those assets right now. But let's wait until it's week five or six, and Todd Gurley's the overall RB4, and Aaron Jones is the overall RB7. Then you take these guys, and you sell them for the J.K. Dobbinses, and the Jonathan Taylors, and the Cam Akers, and the rookie running backs that may be underperforming. That's how you constantly circulate youth in your dynasty squad because you always want to churn out running backs. So I would say my sell is more of a strategy based type of gotcha. sell. is uh, like, so even if you're like, you know, say six and no at that point and uh, girlies are RB two or RB one, really um, that's, is, is you still sell? Like, I mean, do you feel uh, that you lose a lot of, like you might lose this year if you, if you sell girly. See, that's definitely a team-based type of situation. If you need, if you think you need to ride out Gurley to a championship, then you know you're six and zero. Ride them out. Titles are the most important thing in Dynasty. But let's say you're, you know, three and three, or even four and two, and you have Gurley as your RB one or RB two, but you don't really think this year is your year. Maybe next year is your year, but you don't feel great with Gurley as your RB one. You, that's that's when you make a move like this. If, if you think you can win a title with Gurley, then heck, ride him out. But if you are on the fence about your squad and you can sell him high while bu buying another stud running back low, those are the kind of moves I'm making because you'll you'll see soon enough that a, a year later you won't be upset that you got rid of Todd Gurley because Todd Gurley will have lost value because he's a year older. You will be ecstatic that you have you know J.K. Dobbins heading into year two alongside Lamar Jackson. That's kind of my thought process. Right. right. And um, uh, so as we, um, uh, as the world knows, we're in a, we're in a global pandemic. Um, right now, the NFL is scheduled to go on as scheduled. So let's, let's see if that happens. But um, uh, this has made it interesting for me this year because I'm a uh, rookie picks. I, I've actually valued rookie picks this year a lot lower. Like I'm not trading my, so I have a 1.5 in the league. I'm still not trading him for peanuts, but I'm not super excited about the guys that are going to be there to produce in year one. Uh, my plan. Um, uh, so I don't know. Um, uh, how do you feel about um, uh, the rookies this year with the pandemic and you know getting a little bit less training than they're they're used to going into uh, this NFL season? Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little worried. I'm not really worried as much with the running backs because running backs can usually just step in and pick up the scheme relatively quickly because it's one of the easier positions to pick up. 
But for quarterbacks and wide receivers, it's going to be tough for a guy like Joe Burrow, Tua or Justin Herbert to step in in 2020 and produce when they don't even have the offseason to to train with their guys, to learn the playbook, to do all this stuff. Same thing for wide receivers. They're usually not productive in year one. And that's when they have an entire offseason to learn the playbook and work with their new quarterback, their new offensive system. So if these players don't have an offseason program, is that going to push back their breakout by an entire year? I mean, it's I'm not totally selling off my rookie picks, the Justin Jeffersons, the Jerry Judys. I'm not totally devaluing these guys. But it's something to keep in mind, definitely, maybe if you have if you are approaching the if you have the approach of going extremely rookie heavy in your dynasty leagues, it might be time to rethink that strategy just because you could catch yourself in a real hole after 2020 if there is a season, but there are no offseason programs of any kind, really. Right. And then uh, so and now with college football shortening their seasons and talks of it possibly going to spring ball and some of the prospects um, if, if it goes to spring ball, some of the prospects not, might not even play as they get ready for the NFL draft. Um, uh, how do you feel about the 2021 rookies? Um, uh, if uh, something like that happens, Oh man, I, I'm not even sure what to think about this 2021 draft upcoming. I'm still not convinced there's going to be a college football season. And if there is, but some incoming rookies sit out while others play, and how will that affect their draft capital? Honestly, it's I don't even know how to try to predict this situation because it's it's impossible. Like if we have a Jamar Chase who decides to sit out in 2020 and then declare for the 2021 draft, does that mean he'll go from a first round pick to a to a second or third round pick? It's just it's just too too tough to predict. I think. And so I guess the the reason I ask that is because if you're doing startup drafts this year, um, or even if you're just doing rookie drafts, like. You know, draft picks in the next year or two might not be as valuable um, as you think, and so maybe it is worth it to get rid of those guys if you feel like you have a chance with this year. Like, if you're on the cusp, maybe get rid of that you know, first round pick next year or the year or or, or um, this year's uh, pick because, like, it, you might be able to get someone to help you win now. Because again, we have no idea what's going to happen next year or two with college football, and it could really throw a lot of things off, and then um, uh, it could throw things off for the rookies, it could throw things off for that pick that you think is going to be highly regarded uh coming into next year so uh dynasty is always you know trying to think a year or two ahead sometimes for sure yeah and even when there is no global pandemic going on i always think that if you're on the verge of making a title run i i'm always on board with trading your 2021 first for a win now asset just because i'm you can i don't want to say you can get that pick back because it basically devalues the pick but if you think trading your pick gives you a better shot at winning a title, go for it. So 100% of the time, if you are on the cusp and you think that you can get rid of the pick and that'll put you over the edge, pandemic or not, I'm all for making that move. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, like it's, it's, it's one of the things that like, uh, again, people love the idea of picks because it's the idea of having a bunch of players to choose from. Uh, versus if you trade it for a player, you, uh, just, it's a known asset. You know what it is. Like, there's something about draft picks that entice people. Like, oh my god, this could be. It could be anything. It could, it could be a boat, you know. And <laughs> um, so I'm. Uh, so like this year, I had. Uh, I'm rebuilding. Like I said, I had picks uh, two point one and two point two in a sixteen team league. And when people were asking me what I want, I said I wanted a first round for next year. And people thought that was ridiculous. And I was like, well. To be fair, if I trade it for anything less than a second round pick or a first round pick from next year, I'm trading down. You know, yeah. I'm trading a two point one for a two point could be even if it's a two point one next year. I'm still waiting a year. Exactly. And so I was exactly. like, I, I was asking, and I was just trying to get as many picks as possible, just because I'm in full re- rebuild mode. I'm just trying to get as many picks as I can on my roster to um, uh, to help because either the haves or you have not. If you're in the middle. That's really bad. You don't want you don't want to be in the middle because you're not in the playoffs and you're not gonna have a good pick. You know, so you y- you have to kind of decide. Yeah, I, I want to be one of the have-nots, and it, it's not bad. It's fun. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. I have a lot of picks. You know, so um, anyway, uh, uh, Kyle, we've we've had a really long uh, one here. Is there anything else that you think um, uh, 
dynasty newbies should know going into drafts or who they should target or like just things that to help them get started yeah just to get started i mean reach out to me i'm i'm at dynasty ff underscore kyle m on twitter reach out to me even if you don't reach out to me reach out to anyone in the dynasty community that you trust or you think is nice or has good opinions and i know i said this earlier but i can't stress it enough if you're a dynasty newbie and you're afraid to reach out to someone that is an active dynasty player to get advice you're don't be afraid if you if someone loves dynasty and someone else comes to them asking them about dynasty the person who loves dynasty is going to be happy to talk about dynasty because they love dynasty so don't be afraid to reach out whether it's about you know how do i start this how do i start that or even if it's just advice like good buy low sell highs questions like you were asking me today don't be afraid to reach out because the the community is so inclusive that they're going to want to grab you right in have you be a part of their community so just my number one advice if you're new to dynasty don't be afraid to reach out ask questions learn as much as you can and join a league with people that are also new to dynasty that love it and are excited about it as much as you are yeah and if don't don't prey on the newbies if you're <laughs> if you're a dynasty um, uh, veteran <laughs> here all right guys um uh, uh so again his his handle is at dynasty ff underscore kyle m that's underscore or sorry dynasty ff ff uh, underscore kyle m he writes for dynasty nerds you can find them on twitter at dynasty nerds um uh, i'll put um uh, kyle's patreon uh i am a proud patreon uh, subscriber uh to kyle's uh, patreon he he asks his questions there he puts out tier lists uh you have anything i'm uh new going to your patreon soon here um i've i've floated a few ideas but there's also the, the new discord chat that i think has really turned out well so i'm really excited about that too yeah, I mean, as I said, people helping people is it's, it's a it's a great business here. Exactly. Um, uh, Kyle, you know what? If I'm uh, these, uh, so usually this is a basketball podcast. Uh, we're just you know, you know dabbling in the in the fans. If this goes well, people like it. I'm, uh, I hope to have you have you on again. Talk to you soon. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, my man. Have a great one. Uh, Kyle, um, uh, thanks for coming. Um, uh, guys, um, uh, please hit subscribe. Um, uh, you know we have a support women in sports. Some um, uh, uh, hashtag support women in sports uh, giveaway on Twitter right now. I'm gonna give away a couple of those stickers uh, today, actually. Um, and so um, uh, be sure to retweet that uh, tweet and uh, like it and comment with somebody who you think um, uh, would enjoy it. And we'll get more people doing that. So thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you.